It's in the news at this hour. Astronaut Cernan and Schmidt in man's last moonwalk in the Apollo series. Kissinger headed home from the Paris peace talks with no word disclosed on whether he and Le Ducteau are close to an agreement. New York County Grand Jury charging four alleged crime figures with perjury and contempt names alleged killer of Joey Gallo. That's the latest from the WR Newsroom. Lester Smith reporting over WOR New York, your station for news as it happens. I'll be back with another full 15 minutes of news at 11 o'clock. And right now, here's Gene Shepard. Hey, listen, uh, I, I hate to bring up something that uh, could be in conceivably bad taste. <laughs> you know how I am, I hate to do that. But uh, I know some fantastic lyrics to that song. Jingle bells, jingle bells. And uh, since it is quite obvious that there are women and children with us at this hour, and not to mention Jerry Strawbridge, I, uh, which <laughs> incidentally combines both the best qualities of women and children. Uh, we, uh, we, we unfortunately will not be able to sing the, the lyrics which I have in mind on the air. Jingle Bell, oh, it's fantastic. Jingle Bells. And there's a great, a, a great mezzo soprano obligato that goes with it. If, you know, if you can get part singing going, it's fantastic. You can get three or four of your friends together and sing the lyrics, and there's three or four different, oh, jingle bells, jingle. There's 224 verses to the version I know. And uh, if you would like to sing this around your Christmas tree this year, you know, greet Chris Kringle the right way, and uh, you know, get yourself a bottle of Jim Beam on the side and have one hell of a time Christmas Eve, uh, you just send your name and address to Yule Log. <laughs> Yule log. Now we don't we spell it Y U L. U as in Brenner. Yule log. Uh, here in care of uh, this station, and that uh, of course I must say one other thing. You must be over twenty one, and a qualified part time part art student and singer. Can't have any because this is a serious piece of music here, and I think it's uh, contemporary, and it will be mailed to you by the way, plain brown wrapper. So that even your friends won't know that you're going to celebrate Christmas the right way. <laughs> now remember the address, Yule Log, at care of this station. That's Y U L. Ah, jingle bells, jingle bells. Would you please, if you will, Joe, just to sneak in a little mood music, please? A little mood music. 
Hooray, hooray for Macy's. Hooray, hooray for Gimbals. Hooray for Orbox. Alexander's magnificent. Hooray for ANS. Hooray, hooray for Sears Roebuck and Montgomery Wards. It is to them that we owe the Christmas we all know. Yes, what would Christmas be without Macy, Macy, and Macy? That's enough of that. Yeah, it sounds like it. What's the matter there? Ah. My trusty kazoo has got a flat tire. I'll try it again this way. Uh, Did you like that little salute to Orbox, Macy's, J&S, and Magnificent Alexander? We have a little note here that I think you might uh, find significant. Uh, You know... uh, now, for those of you who are uh, who are getting a little restive uh, due to the general tire spots, which we have been uh, deluged with, there is a silver lining. There's a little note here uh, comes from Akron, Ohio. It says uh, that they're working on a on a on a system now. Joe, listen to this. You're, are you interested in technology, advancing technology? <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah, that's my my, my interest about that much. Yeah, that's right knee-high to a dwarf. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the the technologists are working to make life better for people. Of course, as you know, this is what the whole object of technology is. And one of the big rubber companies say that they had discovered a new use for scrap tires. You know, tires, uh, that's a big problem today, you know. It really is. And, uh, you know, the the thing about a tire, it's tough. Uh, It really is tough. I mean, you can take a tin can, you just blap, you know, just squash it together. You don't do that with a tire. And you get 12 million tires piled up in a great big pile. You've got a lot of tires, and there's hardly anything to do with them. So you know what they've done? They have discovered a way to make food out of tires. Used tires, not new ones, used ones. So you take those old 616s you got, see, and you take it down to the processing plant, and a couple of days later you get it back, and it's in a little frozen package. You can make meatloaf out of it. Now, they say it tastes like hell, but uh, as so many things do these days. <laughs> hey, have you, ever, have you ever watched a television commercial where these people are all ooing and eyeing over this, uh, you know, this fantastic new dish which they're promoting at the, you know, at the supermarket that comes in a package, some kind of thing? You, you know, like you mix it with red beans or something, and, and everybody sits around the table and says, oh, this is wonderful. This is just delicious. And then you tried it. And it tasted a little bit like library paste with ketchup in it. <laughs> you wondered what the hell you were. <laughs> and then, you, you know, you always feel... How many times have you felt in the last six months that you've been taken? Now, maybe we're getting so used to being taken, we don't realize we are at this point. You know, you can get used to... to nothing ever really is the way it is in the commercials. 
Now I'm making a, I'm making a statement that, that, that <laughs> and so in the end you don't expect it to be. So you notice these these people with all these fantastic cleaners. You know, all they do is they they throw the stuff on the wall, like there's all kinds of grease and crud all over the wall, and they throw it on the wall, and the guy just takes a rag, it's gone. Well, so, you know, it's Saturday, and you're working around the old pad, and uh, you say, well, gee, that cleaner looked really groovy on the TV there. So you buy some, and you throw it on the wall, and nothing happens. Well, that is, except that the uh, paint comes off the wall, or maybe the wallpaper strips off, but... And, and you, you kind of accept this, you know. You just uh, just accept this. Have you ever been able to honestly tell any difference between toothpastes, except for the taste? You have. Well, with those rubber teeth you have, I'm sure that uh, yes, you really can tell the difference. Well, I can't. You you're far more sensitive than I am. You mean one burns your tooth? <laughs> oh, Joe. My God, no wonder you're going around here looking mad all the time <laughs> with teeth like that. You mean to tell me you've got teeth that are sensitive to different types of toothpaste? Well, listen, uh, that's not the only thing. Uh, you know that if you get certain kinds of fillings in your teeth, they act like transistors. Yes, that's right. They are transistors. You can get a certain kind of filling in your tooth, and it acts like a little rectifier. And all you need is a little antenna sticking out, and you can pick up WR, you can pick up... Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Listen, uh, I'm not kidding. I worked at a radio station one time. Now, I'm not kidding around when I say this. I worked at a radio station one time that uh, that had uh, tremendous power. See, and we had about eight big antennas that were about 900 feet up in the air and on a, on a big hill. And they had a fantastic ground system. See, the ground system of a transmitting antenna is very important. Not like your, you know, home radio, you just go to the ground. But they had radials all over the place. They had about five miles of radials in the ground, and it was a tremendous signal. In fact, that station is considered, I'll tell you, one of our station breaks on that station, if you're, if you're curious what kind of coverage they had. Believe, this was actual coverage, actual station break. WKLNUK, the only station heard regularly on Guadalcanal. And they weren't kidding, they were. What coverage, fantastic. Well, there was one problem. They put up this new antenna system, see, and it really radiated. I mean, it radiated. And within 20 minutes, the mail, the phone calls, the telegrams, they were, people were picketing that they were for miles around picking up the station on the fillings of their teeth. Now, you think that's funny? I'm telling you the fact. Can you imagine? And the station was on 24 hours a day. So some poor guy, three o'clock in the morning, laying there, and his teeth are playing, uh, you know, <laughs> playing uh, <laughs> the Wabash Cannonball, you know, and, he's, and, and they broadcast nothing but hillbilly music all the time, and that could drive you out of your bird anyway, you know. And to hear Roy Acuff singing for the thirty-fourth time, the <laughs> the Great Speckled Bird, and you're trying to sleep, and it's coming out of your teeth. I'm gonna tell you, drive you out of your, you're right into the tree, you know. Well, so the station didn't know what to do. So they figured what they ought to do, see, is uh, they began to, by the way, direct actual shows to the guys with their teeth. Uh, they would they, they they went out they they sold a toothpaste spot. Yeah, <laughs> you know these guys, we got a lot of guys hearing us on the teeth. So uh, what about the, you know taking advantage of that, making it a positive thing? Well, it began to develop that not only were the teeth picking it up, but the plumbing in houses. See, when, when you take pipes, Joe can tell you this, you know, the engineer type. When you take pipes, uh, metal pipes like lead or like, uh, like uh, steel, any kind of pipes, the kind of pipes you got in your plumbing, 
and you make a joint in them. Where that joint forms, it comes together, you know, like there's a little U-joint or something. Where that joint comes together, there then begins to develop between the two pieces of metal some kind of corrosion, right? You, have you seen this kind of little green that forms around there? Well, that then actually does the same thing as a transistor. And, and so it was not at all unusual for all the Johns in the hotel down the street to be playing the Yellow Rose of Texas simultaneously at full volume. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the great mystery of technology just marches forward, and the idea of sitting down and eating your, you know, last year's tires for lunch, a little mayonnaise on them, uh, it's not at all unusual. And I think in the 21st century, this is what they're going to have to do, see? Because uh, one of our major problems, you know, in our time, the 20th century, is garbage. Garbage is a fantastic problem today. You know, everything comes wrapped and, uh, and packaged, and it's got all kinds of plastic all over the outside. And, uh, you know, you get a beer can, you get a, you get a, you get the outside thing, you know, the six-pack, then you get the plastic thing on the top, then you get the can, you get the ring, you know, all this stuff is all piling up, and inside you get this little bit of beer, you know? Well, so ultimately, <laughs> the packages are getting far more spectacular and bulky than what is inside the package. So, technology, uh, has discovered that they can't do much about it. They've tried everything. They've tried to squash all the stuff together. Then you just got a big lump of stuff squashed together. Then what do you do with that? They tried throwing it in the ocean. Then all the fish die. Uh, you know, and then, then, of course, then you get a complaint from the guys that are catching sardines for a living. Uh, in addition to that, we're filling up the ocean. So the water's coming up. <laughs> Has it occurred to you that the water is getting higher and higher all over the world because we're filling it up with old tires and car bodies? I mean, and pretty soon the ocean, you know, is going to be right up to the top. Well, so there's a problem. I mean, garbage. Really, garbage is... That reminds me. This is WOR New York. And, uh, oh, no no connection. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can't... Uh, no, no, no connection. It's just, uh, just one of those coincidences. Uh, when someone knocks on your door... And says... Permiso. Be very careful before you answer... Avanti. Avanti. The movie that asks the question, can a filthy rich, uptight American and a poor but overweight girl from London find happiness at their parents' funeral? Jack Lemmon and Juliet Mills in Billy Wilder's new comedy, Avanti, from United Artists. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents. Oh, that sounds uh, very intellectual. Avanti premieres Sunday at the Translux East and Translux 85th Street Theaters. And uh, speaking of uh, intellectual-type things in the European style, we'd like to suggest that you try Alexis Lachine wines because Alexis Lachine selects the right wines. It's uh, not like you usually do. The reds, the whites, and the rosés. And then these magnificent wines are poured into gracious, distinctive bottles to grace your table, add a little touch of elegance to your table out there in Staten Island. You don't have to be a wine expert to serve wines that will have your friends calling you Jaime the wine expert. Just remember the name, Alexis Lachine, the beautiful French wine in the beautiful bottle at a beautiful price. Alexis Lachine is imported by Bass Charrington Vintners of New York. Please sing, please. This is an elegant girl. I wish she'd get the cork out of her mouth though, before she sings. Come on, honey, sing it out. 
<laughs> but uh, nevertheless, the, the ocean is beginning to fill up. So what are you going to do about it, see? So the time is now approaching when they have realized that, that like the Minotaur. You know what is it, the Minotaur? Well, did you ever hear of a creature? Of course, the Minotaur is just one of them, but there were several other creatures that can survive uh, by eating itself up. Yeah, you know, there's a famous Greek legend, you know, about this animal eating its tail until finally it just dis disappeared. It ate itself up. It was that ferocious. Well, man is going to have to learn to eat up the garbage that he creates. You don't think that works, huh? Well, what do you think you have for dinner half of the time, Joe? Okay. They don't call it that. Uh, that's one thing I always liked about the armed forces. They were very, very honest about things. When you, that's right, when you went through the chow line, they had two cans, and it just said above it, garbage. And one said, one can said edible, and the other said inedible. In other words, they recognized there was such a thing as edible garbage, right? We don't want to admit this, in spite of the fact that most of us spend most of our time living on it, you know, <laughs> one way. You know, garbage is a matter of definition, like love. Let's just throw that one out there. Let you handle that. And while we're doing that, would you please play the General Tire Ding Dong for me? Yep. General Tire, the same Very good, very good. Yes, we predicted in the days to come when they really create a tire that is good to eat, the best to eat will be a General Tire. So, uh, <laughs> all right, George. Let's see, what do we have with General here today? Yes, here's a safe diving tip from General Tire. For heaven's sakes, please stay on the road when you drive. That is a very, very excellent safe driving tip. And also, they'd like to suggest that they have four-ply nylon cord tires, long mileage Duragen tread rubber, and dual tread design, the beautiful new General Tire white wall. And you find out about these by consulting your local General Tire headquarters with the Big Red G. It is listed in the yellow pages under Big Red G. We have uh, Gramercy Park here, as it's pronounced by many of the announcers on here, Gramercy Park. We have Gramercy Park close of 64 West 23rd Street in New York. And they say, unequivocally, man, if you hate to go shopping and you need clothes, find out about Gramercy Park. Yes, sir. Up there in the big factory loft building there. And uh, where are they? They're on uh, 23rd Street. Fashionable 64 West 23rd Street. Up on the elegant third floor. It's 64 West 23rd Street. It's uh, Gramercy Park. Yes, sir. You'll have a good experience in saving money when you buy your new clothes, according to the spot here, at Gramercy Park. How do they call it Gramercy Park? That isn't it. Gramercy Park is over on the other side of town. That's 21st there by Lexington, right? The world is full of anomalies. Anomalies? What's the matter, George? Yeah, you're looking a little nervous in there today. Uh, speaking of nervousness, I see the sales department is getting a little itchy again. So we better throw another goodie at you here. And what is it this time? Uh, oh, it's the House of Chan, mm -hmm. which is a nice goodie. Uh, you ought to try tangy lemon chicken in the great classic of Cantonese cooking. Lemon chicken. 
Peking duck, all inscrutably delicious. That's what makes the House of Chan so outstanding, even among gourmet restaurants. So I suggest that you uh, consult with the House of Chan. It's at 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. Sit down for a unique, exciting Chinese dining experience. It's one of the great ideas of Western man. Bum, ba -dum, bum. I don't know why I did that. That wasn't brought to you by Jack Webb. In fact, he has a specific disclaimer. I have nothing to do with the House of Chan. Sorehead. And uh, we have a... Uh, no, what is this, Mama Leone's? You mean we're going to follow a Chinese restaurant spot with Mama Leone's? All right, sales department, you ask for it. Do you suppose there lives anywhere across this fabulous country a family that has never eaten at Mama Leone's? Maybe there is, and don't you feel sorry for them? Never heard the noise and laughter of our nightly crowd? Never saw their kids light up at the very color and excitement of our decor? Never saw our statues? Never saw our endless wine cellar? And not only that, they probably never saw a parade of food like Mama serves. Oh, sure, they've had Italian food before, but so what? They haven't had Mama's antipasto. They haven't had the cheeses and rich hot bread and the enormous desserts that Mama serves. And finally, they never, ever had main courses that everything else was built around. We seriously suggest if you have a pathetic friend who's never been to Mama Leone's, change his life. Make a reservation for him immediately and let him see what a great Italian restaurant can be like. Take him to Mama Leone's, where strong appetites are met and conquered. Mama Leone's, 239 West 48th Street, Judson 65151. Oh, very good. Gee, that was nice. Hey, uh, have you ever had a feeling, a vague feeling, that the, that the East is getting unbelievably square? Yeah, I had that feeling. I've had it for a long time. I mean, really, it's a, you have to travel around the country to know. Yeah, you really do. You know, it, it used to be that the that the East was where it really was happening, but that that's been over for a long time, friends. Really, you know, the biggest thing that's happening in town is uh, you know Lenny Bernstein having a party in his twenty third floor penthouse someplace. That's about it. But I'm talking about real people stuff. Yeah. Do you, how many of you do you remember happenings? Remember when they used to have happenings? I was, you know, I was because what happened to happenings? <laughs> and everybody, the village boys took that so seriously. I mean, man, they were they were having official art reviews, you know, the great happening down uh, some loft on Fourth Street. You know, they'd all go down and sit around and pretend it was great art. Well, all it was was just sort of a truncated party. Party, you know, it's just a sort of a half baked orgy. Uh, and, and, and it's a, you have a feeling that the, nothing's really happening here in the East anymore, especially when you get out of town. For example, now wait a minute, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not just making talk here. For example, I have this spy, see, who lives out on the West Coast, and he constantly informs me every couple of days what is happening on the West Coast. And man, sometimes when I read, I just get that terrible itch just to pack my carpet bag and split get out there where the real where, where things really are shaking you know for example now listen to this now this is from uh, the Los Angeles Times what a, when I give you the when I give you the cue George you give me an echo chamber okay because that will add the little pizzazz to this thing here 
This is from the Los Angeles Times of last week. Now, I've nothing like this has happened in the East. It says the party was barely an hour old. Barely one hour old. But already it was starting to come apart at the seams, even before it became a public nuisance. Cars and motorcycles were parked in random disorder, up and down the street, across the curbs, into the yards. Late arrivals began to arrive from all parts of town in great hordes. As the crowd grew larger and larger, the volume of the music was increased until it poured out of the old rented house and covered the entire block with tremendous jiggling sounds, mind-jangling dins. Partygoers and their guests, invited or otherwise, spilled from overcrowded rooms with the music and surged out into the lawn and out into the street and began to move into the next block. That's ah, a party. Man, that's a bash. Shouted demands from nearby homes, for example, like, Hey, come on, you guys, quiet, keep it quiet out there. For God's sakes, we're trying to sleep. Or, for example, Hey, come on, you guys, turn on that music. For God's sakes, turn it down. Were always greeted by raucous jeers and loud honkings of car horns, cat calls, giggles, and other assorted obscene noises. <laughs> well... It was a typical incident of the West Coast. What had started as a weekend party for just a group of people had suddenly snowballed into a major event. That was when the police were called. Within minutes. Now, here's what makes the scene wild. I'd love to see a movie one of these. Within minutes. Now, remember, there's thousands of people out there in the street yelling and hollering and blowing horns. Guys out of, out of houses down the road are hollering, Turn that off! Hey, whoa, we're trying to see. We're going to work in the morning. All right, there's a fantastic up we're going within minutes. The entire house and the yard was awash in the glare of overhead spotlights. Overhead, a police helicopter covered and hovered up in the ground, oh, just hovered in its latest role as party chaperone. And out of the helicopter, it had a big horn out of the bottom of it, see? And out of the helicopter... <laughs> a a huge amplified voice, partly drowned out by the incessant. You know how helicopters go. This big voice hollered, "Attention! Attention! 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 This has been declared an unlawful gathering." You are ordered to disperse immediately and return to your home. Fantastic scene. You have been declared an unlawful gathering. Split. <laughs> well, <laughs> the party was over. End of the ball game. But what a scene. It's, uh, and, and we are now quoting uh, the, the pilot who is also a lieutenant in the police. Here's what he says. It's a pilot. He drives the helicopters. He says, you know, it's the standardest thing I've ever seen, the way these parties mushroom. So they seem to be fairly new, you know. He said, but from what we've seen, they're getting pretty common around here, especially on the weekends. Five or six guys get together, invite some friends over to split a case of beer, a little wine maybe, and the first thing you know, three or four hundred people show up. They come out of the woodwork like cockroaches. 
He said, well, you know, after that, it takes over four or five blocks of the town. Next thing you know, the, the traffic's are blocked. The people are being run over in a rush. He said, yelling and hollering, breaking windows. He said, well, we move in, break up one party with the helicopter, and then uh, we climb up high and watch while a whole caravan of cars leaves the area and heads for another location right across town for another party. So we just follow them right across town, get the amplifier turned up, and he says, next thing you know, we're hollering, Attention, attention, you guys, we told you what. This is now, again, another unlawful, another unlawful, get out of the way. Hello there, hello, one, two, three, four, hello, test. This has been declared an unlawful gathering. You are ordered to disperse immediately. She says, well, and they jump in their cars. We see all these vans and all these VW buses and the motorcycles. The whole thing says they moved down across the street. And next thing you know, they're in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Well, you know, this is fantastic. I am, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I kind of like the sound of that. You know, I'd like to be in that mob. You know, running around from one end town to the other. You know, with my six pack and you know on the Yamaha. <laughs> but you, New York, just no way, no way. So I, I'm beginning to suspect. I hate to say this, George. I'm beginning to suspect that New York has entered the ossification period. Its knees are getting stiff. You know that. And, you know, the idea of a big party here in New York is, you know, they'll have this thing where they get the purple lights going and eight or nine people sitting around and, and uh, you know, smoke up a couple of joints, and they call it a fantastic party. <laughs> oh, God. We haven't even scratched the surface. You know, I, I have a feeling that spontaneous combustion is involved, too, see? And, uh, and I could just see the day. One day. Now, remember, these things are getting bigger and bigger. In fact, it's getting so big now that the Los Angeles Times says that sometimes as many as two and 3,000 people will be involved. He says it used to be that like 50. Now it's growing. Wait till one weekend. A little spark. You know, some guy sitting in his apartment, you know, uh, Big Charlie sitting in his apartment, and he picks up the phone. He says, uh, hey, Mac, how about coming over? Bring over a six-pack. Yeah, you pick up some paps, and I got the, yeah, I got some Thunderbird over here, right? <laughs> Thunderbird, that's the word, yeah. Okay, listen, you come on over here. She says, you just, you know, just ring the bell. I'm up on the second floor. And he hangs up. Next thing you know, three guys arrive, see? He asks for Mac. All right, three guys arrive. And within seconds, everything is right. Everything is right. The temperature is right. The, the air pressure is right. It's all barometric, see? The psychological climate is right. And within minutes, people begin to arrive. Now there's a hundred people, two hundred people, four hundred people, a thousand, and it spreads like an enormous fire, fire, tremendous firestorm. It's like a fire in the forest. And within minutes, all of Los Angeles, eight million people, are having a fantastic party, screaming and yelling. And above them, there's 28 police helicopters saying, Attention, attention, please. Los Angeles has been declared an unlawful assembly. Attention, please. And you see Los Angeles all jump in its cars and drive like hell to Fresno. <laughs> and it spreads all across the West Coast. And now you get 400 helicopters, and they're saying, Attention! Attention! California has been declared an unlawful assembly. And they move west, east, out to sea, up to Canada, down to Mexico. And it slowly begins to creep over. And by late Sunday afternoon, it starts to sneak into Queens. Queens. Yes, Queens. Of course, it would stop there. That would end it right there. 
But gee whiz, what an image. I would just once like to be in a party where I hear that voice. Attention, attention. This has been declared an illegal gathering of people. Would you please disperse? Love that. I love that, you know. The gatherings of people that I find myself often in today usually wind up, they usually end in a, in a great concerted chorus of yawns. <laughs> yeah, well, gee, it's been kind of great. I, uh, yeah, well, we have to do it again. Uh, we, uh, uh, gee, I don't know what's the matter with me. I must have been that second glass of wine. Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, Harry, we've got to do it again. Yeah, come on, let's go, Marsha, for God's sake. You know, you know it's getting late. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> oh, no, I think we're losing our stamina. We're losing our vitality. It's just terrible. But uh, I, I felt, uh, you know, I felt that, uh, that uh, life is beginning to move from the west to the east some time ago. Hate to admit it. I know a guy over at one of the local agencies. He was sent for a month out to West Coast. And when he left here, he was the very essence, the very epitome of the Madison Avenue man. He had this, uh, you know, he had this swinging jaw. Yeah, yeah, I should uh, talk like this, you know. So, well, uh, I'll see you at Charlie O's, yes. Oh, yes, I'll make the reservation. Uh, just call my girl, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I had this, you know, the usual uh, scene. He had the, you know, long hair, the whole bit, the $40 haircuts and stuff. Well, he went out to the West Coast for one month, and he returned. It's a fantastic difference. Not only did, well, it was not only the beard, George. It was more than that. He had red eyes. It was very different. And he, and he, and he crouched under his desk a lot. And... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, it's just very different kind of scene. You know, one time he tried to fly out the window, you know, by flapping his arms, and he was on the 34th floor, you know, right on Madison Avenue. Well, they had to finally get rid of him. He got the West Coast. Of course, he took off, went out. Now he's living with uh, three chicks on a houseboat outside of Malibu. The whole scene is over, you know. <laughs> oh, it can happen to you. Listen, uh, it, uh, that place is Babylon out there. You, they used to call New York Babylon. Isn't that a joke? New York is about, believe me, New York is about, is about as sensual, New York is about as passionate as your average suburban Sears Roebuck store. You know? Now, it used to be, I'm afraid. Yes, it did. I have to say, it used to be. And, oh, I was, I've been involved in some scenes in this time, but they don't have those scenes anymore. No, no way. No way. Oh, yeah, listen, remind me to tell you sometime when we're off the air, George of a party that I once attended on 13th Street over there uh, off uh, 6th Avenue, right in the village, you know, on the fourth floor. It was fantastic. Couldn't believe it, you know. The people were stacked four high. I mean, horizontally they were stacked, <laughs> like cordwood. <laughs> I mean, it was wild. And they were pouring red paint over each other, you know. One chick came in. Oh, I don't even... You know, we'll, we'll save that for off the air, okay? Oh, what a party. Well, now, you know, it's just, it's just not, not the same scene. And I, I think this is, a, this is the general decline of sensuality. Uh, today, we tend to call sensuality uh, uh, a porny movie house. By the way, speaking of sensuality, I saw a great little bit. Uh, this guy writes me a, a note. See, he's a teacher in one of the schools around here. And he said uh, that the kids' yearly project 
these kids decided that their project this year was to build this beautiful model railroad with a little town. You know, you've seen these little towns. They got the model railroads where they go through the tunnels and all that. And there's a little guy standing beside the gate. And he waves at the train when it goes by. You've seen this stuff, see? He says, would you believe it? Right in the middle of the town, they have a little porny house. These kids pull a little porny house. <laughs> it says adult movies, you know, rated X. Incidentally, have you noticed that if you're getting to be a student of uh, Times Square and the adult movie scene, that apparently, and I'm not really into that scene, but apparently San Francisco is the Vatican of the porny world. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, oh, yes. Everywhere you go, you know, you walk down the street down here, 42nd Street, it says, direct, brand new, from San Francisco. They never say, direct, brand new, from Indianapolis. Nope. Uh, the porny world apparently revolves around Frisco, right? Well, you see, this is so sad, because the porny world is vicarious. I mean, everybody sits and watches. That ain't the way life is supposed to be. No, 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 no. Uh, as I have often uh, maintained, and I think you agree, George, passion is not a spectator sport. No way. You either do it or you don't. If you don't, you better take up fly tying. Do a lot of fishing, you know. And maybe take a lot of cold showers or something like that. But uh, seriously, uh, friends, uh, uh, the real thing, Hey, that's a great slogan, too. The real thing? Yes, sir. The real thing. The real thing ain't like no substitute. No way. And there's certain things that cannot be substituted for, no matter what they do in the movies. That's right. Of course, a lot of people don't know this because they've never done the real thing. So I suppose it's all right, you know? A guy who has never tasted peanut butter will never miss peanut butter. A guy who has never tasted... At 3 o'clock in the morning, pickle juice will never miss pickle juice. Right, George? And by the way, uh, speaking of pickle juice fans, we just got a letter from uh, one of our pickle juice cuckoos. You know, we're becoming a, a, a tightly knit underground organization. Yeah, George, I know you are. Can't help myself. When I'm, when I'm faced with a jar of, uh, of pickle juice, there's certain ones that are really better than others, too. you got to realize that, yeah, oh, gee, uh... Certain kinds of sweet sour pickles, uh, for example, uh, well, there's a, there's a Palaners. You ever see them pickles? Uh, how about those uh, those little uh, kosher gherkins? Now that that that's that's kind of strong. It's it's kind of strong, but you graduate to that, George. Most guys start out by drinking the uh, juice from sweet pickles. You know, it's like uh, the average drinker starts out drinking uh, Seven Up and Seven Crown. It takes a few years to understand what a martini's about. And you agree. And so I say one day, George, you'll, you'll mature enough, and uh, one night there won't be anything else in the refrigerator, and you'll take a sip of this kosher pickle juice, and uh, for the first time, your eyeballs will light up and say, hey, it's funny, I never realized this stuff was that good. And the next thing you know, you're going to, you know, it's just going to be downhill from that moment on. Throw out the pickles, drink the juice. <laughs> but, uh... These are all these are all parts. Hey, you know, speaking of uh, the the uh, you know the general decline of uh, man, I uh, I got a letter as I said from this guy uh, who wrote to me. And he says, Shepard, he said, I, I'm amazed. Uh, he said uh, to hear that you uh, you are like uh, many uh, people I have suspected in the past, a pickle juice fan. He said, I'm glad to, he says, greetings, brother. He said, uh, <laughs> he says, I've been drinking pickle. He says, I've been doing it, uh, he says, I've been doing it subterraneously. You know, I've been doing it underground. He says, because it's very embarrassing to be caught drinking pickle juice out of the jar. 
You agree? It's like being caught eating erasers. Or, uh, you know, you don't want to actually be caught eating uh, library paste. And yet a lot of people dig library paste. They eat it surreptitiously. He says, for years I've been drinking pickle juice. And he says, it's been one nightmare after that, skulking behind doors, getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, hiding behind the refrigerator so that nobody sees me. And he said, now you have brought it out in the open. Thank you. He says, thank you. He says, yesterday afternoon, immediately after lunch, I walked right up to the refrigerator, opened it up, and took two big swallow of Heinz's bread and butter pickle juice. He says, well, everybody was aghast. Everybody says, you're drinking pickle juice, Harry. What, what, what kind of a nut is that? He's drinking, hey, Harry's drinking, right, he's drinking pickle juice. So I turned to them and said, I heard it on the radio. Yep. Shepard drinks pickle juice. He says, a hush fell over the crowd. One guy got up and he walked up to the refrigerator and he says, hey, let me try a little of that. He says, within five minutes, we'd gone down to the A.M.P. and came back with eight jars of pickle juice. We sat around and drank pickle juice and played pinochle till four in the morning. We got all pickle juiced up. So, you know, you can't drive good after you've been drinking certain kinds of pickle juice. And uh, <laughs> he says, trouble is, we had a whole pile of pickles all over the floor, he said, but the, the juice was fantastic. Shepard, you've discovered really what life is about. What do you mean, discovered, friend? I started drinking pickle juice at the age of five, and I have not stopped since. Haven't turned back. Nope, and I do not. I, I, I do not. With all due apologies to Julia Child, I do not, at no point, do I uh, apologize for it. No. And, George, I think you missed it. I, I don't think you were on, but uh, I gave a suggestion to pickle juice fans, and he said, my God, he said, I tried it. He said, it was fantastic. I suggested the next time you're going to have some pickle juice, George, get yourself a roll of uh, Lifesaver peppermint types. Not the peppermint, but the, the, there's a, what do they call it? The spearmint. The spearmint Lifesavers. Suck one of these spearmint Lifesavers and then take a great big swallow of pickle juice. Oh, it's, 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 it's a Zen experience. Yes, suddenly your soul comes into unity. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, your soul don't do that much. You know, and suddenly everything sings. Now, don't mention this to anybody because, you know, the, it's bad enough drinkle, pick, you know, drinking pickle juice and explaining that. But when you say I have to have a certain type of lifesaver to suck while I drink the pickle juice, forget it. I mean, you're going to have people walking out on you. So uh, I do this in quiet by yourself. Enjoy it. And uh, don't try to pass it on to others. Uh, there are certain things that are very private. You agree? Certain things that you just cannot discuss. For example, <laughs> there are a lot of you know, I don't know why I bring these things out. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of great things. You know, uh, for example, is there anything really much better than cold meatloaf? Cold meatloaf. I don't mean no. All right, there's a lot of things better than cold meatloaf. I agree, but I mean in that in that particular genre of what we call generically slob food. You know, slob food, which is the kind of food you just come in, you open the refrigerator, there's all this stuff in there, you know, no, a, a brown lettuce falls out, you know, and there's about eight dishes on the bottom there with peas from last week, you know, and they kind of they got that white crud on the top and all that. Okay. Well, now, 
a, a real a real slob food fan learns how to make the best of all these things and produce uh, actually produce an art form that transcends the individual parts of every piece that he's got you know well I'd like to give you a suggestion take yourself a thin slice George try this take a thin slice of cold meatloaf put some cold ketchup on it very thin see just across the top and then put a thin slice of Spanish onion on top of that. Don't put any bread on it. And just nibble that quietly and sip a little bourbon. Makes a nice combination. You will not find this in many of the gourmet cookbooks around. But we're not talking about that sort of thing. We're talking about life. And that's a very different proposition. Craig Claiborne will not give this... I mean, he won't give it not only no stars, he won't even give it a second glance. Well, that's his problem. That's right. And by the way, one night, you know what we ought to do? Because, uh, you see, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, well, I, I say this modestly, I'm, uh, I'm considered one of the better experts uh, among my set of uh, various types of uh, hamburgers sold by various hamburger chains. And I would like to compare for you one night uh, the Big Boy Burger versus uh, Gino's uh you know the 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 Gino double Gino. Uh, you know, bring bring life. For example, wouldn't you like to know the subtle difference between the uh, the French fries at uh, McDonald's and those to be found at the TikTok, right? Or at Gino's, there is a difference. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but they're just simply different. Do you do you like your do you like your French fries dark and crispy? Or do you like them uh, soft and mellow? Which do you prefer? Well, you've come to the right guy. I have these things all cataloged in my mind. Uh, do you prefer your hamburgers with a dark, rich charcoal crust over the top? Or do you like them uh, soft and uh, with, with just just a slight fill? Do you, do I see this? There's a lot to this. How about the buns? Do you like them with a little poppy seed in them? Or do you prefer the onion roll? Or do you prefer the simple, straight, classic bun? Just a big bun, huh? Oh, it's so subtle. This is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the news. News in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. The doctors at Research Hospital in Kansas City report tonight that former President Harry Truman remains in about the same condition as he was earlier in the day. And that means that Mr. Truman's lungs were filling with fluid and he had grown weaker the former president is still listed in serious condition. The Moon 2, Eugene Cernan and Harrison Schmidt are completing their sample collections tonight in their last exploration of the lunar surface. Once again, they're back at the 77-foot, 100-foot mountain base that they discovered yesterday, and this time they're following up on the new forms of subsurface material that they had found in their first visit to Massif Mountain. In South Vietnam tonight, two Viet Cong commandos got by the guards around an ammunition dump and blew themselves up along with the munitions. The assault touched off explosions that destroyed 800 tons of artillery shells and napalm. The dump was eight miles from Saigon, and the blast could be heard in the city as many windows were shattered. The ammunition yard is the largest in the Saigon region. Earlier, heavy fighting was reported all day, 20 miles west of Saigon, the opposite side of the ammunitions explosion, Saigon military sources said that 56 enemy soldiers were killed and three South Vietnamese soldiers died in those battles. 
American bombers continued their raids over North Vietnam and against suspected communist troop locations in the South. Dr. Henry Kissinger and Hanoi's Le Duc Tho have closed shop on their private negotiations to reach a ceasefire in the Vietnam War. So far, what they have to say in public about those talks does not indicate that a ceasefire is ready to be declared. Dr. Kissinger will report to President Nixon first thing tomorrow morning upon arrival in Washington from Paris. A North Vietnamese source would only say about the talks, things don't look so good. Just before leaving Paris, Dr. Kissinger said that Paris contact will be maintained with the North Vietnamese. I just wanted to thank the uh, French government that I'm leaving for all the courtesies that were shown to me and all the cooperation that they extended. As was announced in Washington this afternoon, Special Advisor Ledoxo and I will remain in contact through messages and we will then decide whether another meeting is necessary and uh, when. In the meantime, Ambassador Sullivan and two members of my staff are staying here and they will be meeting experts of the other side under the uh, leadership of Ambassador Porter.